Hi, everyone. This is Dave Newbert, Marketing Director for Eagle Eye Power Solutions, and welcome to our podcast, DC Power Hour, the show where we will discuss everything related to, you guessed it, critical DC power solutions. So charge up, power on, or do whatever it takes to get yourself excited for the episode of DC Power Hour. Welcome to the second episode of Eagle Eye Power Solutions DC Power Hour. Today we'll talk about why is battery maintenance so important. It's just like anything, maintaining your car or anything else where you want to maximize long-term performance and extend the life of that product or system. Gets at the heart of what we really focus on at Eagle Eye. We want to create long-term custom power solutions for all of our customers. And it really touches the three key aspects of what we're trying to accomplish. We want to increase reliability for them. We want to decrease their costs and we want to meet compliance. Three things that are crucial in every job that we do. So that's enough of me talking here. Let's hear from the experts. Let's talk to George and Alan again with their segment, Battery Blarney. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Yeah, it's going great. Good, good. Well, welcome back to the show. And today we're going to talk about the importance of proper battery maintenance. And I know I've had conversations with you both before about this. It's something that I think you both have a great understanding of and really value. And so... Let me start by asking, I guess I'll go to you, George. Why is battery maintenance so darn important? Let's just say that all forms of maintenance are important. And that's probably the start of the conversation. But battery maintenance in particular, it's in all the app, wherever we find a battery, that battery is always the power source of last resort. So it's what's needed when everything else has failed. So you really want to know that it's going to work. And the only way you can make sure that it's going to work is if you maintain it properly and test it and check it. That's why we need maintenance. You simply cannot put them into, as on a previous session when we were talking about system design and things like that, and Alan mentioned the fact that the UPS systems pack their batteries into a cabinet and close the door. And I hate to say it, but a lot of uh, places have bought these UPS systems like that and never opened the door of that battery cabinet and then don't understand why it failed the first power failure. The number of times I've heard management say to me over the years, I don't understand this. That's a five-year battery and it's only been installed for two years. Yeah, but you never opened the door in those two years. So you know that's why we need maintenance. If you want that battery to support the load that you have bought it for, you need to maintain it. I would agree with that. And I think the, with respect to batteries, the biggest disservice that was ever done to the industry was when the manufacturers or the, the marketing arm of the manufacturers created this term maintenance-free battery because there's no such thing. In actual fact, they're maintenance-proof, a lot of them. So i uh, give you an example. that The IEEE already had standards for the maintenance of uh, benzoyl acid batteries. In other words, the old-fashioned flooded batteries, which are still some of the best batteries in the world, by the way. But so when valve-regulated lead-acid batteries come out, when IEEE started to write a maintenance document for them, it ended up that the maintenance section was larger than the maintenance section for the benzoyl acid batteries because there was a lot you could do to maintain them by visual inspection. And uh, with valve-regulated lead-acid batteries, you just couldn't do that. You couldn't add electrolyte. 
you couldn't see with inside the cells. So very stringent maintenance requirements come out. And of course, all the users, because they were called maintenance-free batteries, they said, we don't need to maintain these. They're maintenance-free. That's what started a lot of arguments in the industry. And referring back to BATCOM, that was one of the biggest challenges we had, telling people that they need to maintain their batteries. So that's my two cents worth on that. Maintenance is very important. Yeah, it seems sort of common sense, even for me, who doesn't really know the ins and the outs of, of all of the different types of batteries and systems like you've had the experience of working with. But yeah, it's like anything, maintenance is important to protect your investment and make sure that when these battery systems are called upon that they're going to work. So these are some of the questions I really like to ask you guys. Alan, we'll start with you. What's maybe the worst problem you've ever seen due to a lack of maintenance? Can you identify a specific incident or type of incident that you've seen over the years that can really show how awful it can be when you don't maintain batteries? Boy, uh, can you give me a 30 minutes here? Seriously, I've seen it all. Batteries drying out from lack of uh, electrolyte in them to uh, thermal runaway when the valve regulated lead acid batteries are not being charged properly and they end up uh, looking like footballs. But anyway, one stage in my life, I was the warranty guy for a little company called Interstate Batteries. And every warranty that uh, was filed that was claimed had to come across my desk. And in most cases, I was able to reject those warranties because the batteries were not being maintained. 50% of them were not being charged properly. Uh, and actually, in fact, I got the nickname as Dr. No, because most of the warranty claims came in. I said, no. And that was because lack of maintenance records or lack of maintenance. But with respect to the worst cases, oh, I don't know, there's so many of them. But mainly that batteries that have been in cabinets for UPS is left there for years. You open the thing up and they're weeping or swollen. And the customer says, well, this is supposed to be maintenance-free. So over to George. Like Alan, I think I've seen most of them, but I'm trying to think of any one in particular. It's more, I think the one that struck me most of all was one that actually I was involved with Andrew on. And we won't say who the company was, but they were a major railroad and they were having problems with their starter batteries for their locomotives. And Andrew sent me these pictures of these batteries still wrapped in their plastic wrapping sitting on open racks out in the open, sweating away. And when we talked to them about putting in a charging station and having these routinely recharged to keep them up to spec, that was going to cost too much money and too much work. But they were basically letting these things sit and they couldn't understand why they didn't work when they took them off this open rack. Let's just say... The temperatures of 100 degrees were probably quite common in that area during the summer. That was probably one of the worst pieces of you. Or the only other one would have been the place I was, a generating plant I was in Egypt, out in the middle of the desert, someplace between Cairo and Alexandria. And I pointed out a couple of uh, units that had to be replaced. And when the uh, engineer said to me, oh, we've got these spare batteries, so we're okay. And he took and showed them to me. And they were also sitting out in the desert underneath a piece of corrugated iron and had been there for two and a half years. So I had to regretfully inform him that they probably were not going to need, do what 
he needed. They were actually in worse state than the ones that needed replaced. But those are perfect examples of people that did not fully understand what they were involved in, which comes back to why we do training today. Yes, and I'd, I'd just like to remind everybody that we have, a, at Eagle Eye, we have a plethora of technical notes and information on not only charging batteries, but storing batteries, maintaining batteries, you name it. And uh, if our listeners have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us. The chances are we have a technical paper or technical note on that very subject. Those are great stories, guys. And I think it's beneficial right now if you guys could take a moment just to share what are the actual downstream repercussions of someone not maintaining their high-powered DC system? Warranty problems. Sooner or later, they're going to get a warranty problem. If you don't have any maintenance records, you don't get to have any warranty. To me, that's the biggest downside of not maintaining a battery. Other than the fact, of course, that uh, the battery's not going to be there when you need it most. And the only way you're going to find that out is you have a power outage. Then you get the deer in the headlight looks from the guys. Why didn't the battery kick in? To me, that's a downside on that. But uh, I could talk all day about maintenance. So I'm going to hand over to George for let him. Both George and I, we, we never met a microphone we didn't like. So we have to share time here. So I'll yield it to you, George. Okay. I understand from the job you did with warranties that Warranty is obviously a clear winner in your case. I'm more about the fact is that discovering the battery is not there when you really need it. That was really brought home to me with Katrina. The fact is that the batteries in the cell sites failed so early. And it was brought home because at one point, believe it or not, Alan and I surveyed for one of the biggest of the uh, cellular companies. We surveyed site after site of their cell sites looking at the batteries in the DC power systems and identifying problems, particularly with failed alarm systems. But the most frightening thing for me on that occasion was that we also visited those sites a couple of years later almost to replace some power supplies that were failing due to a failed component that was basically failing after X number of hours service, and we were replacing the rectifiers. And the point was that we went into some of those sites and problem batteries that we had identified years before were still there and just in worse condition. And as I've said, we found at Katrina, there was lots of people relying on their cellular telephones to try and coordinate rescue efforts, and the sites failed. Simple as that. The batteries did not last the four or eight hours they were supposed to. And the other thing about Katrina, George, you remember was that in many of those cell sites, the batteries were installed at a floor level. So as soon as the site flooded, the battery was short-circuited. So uh, there's lessons to be learned there as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks. And those are great examples of why maintenance is vital. Can you maybe speak to how catastrophic even on a larger scale can it be or that you've ever seen a problem associated with lack of battery maintenance? George? I can think of one that was truly catastrophic, but I've got to be careful here about what we're talking about. But just let's say that there was a very, very large installation of well over 120 vented lead-acid battery systems on UPSs at a government facility. 
and they wrote a maintenance contract for the contractor, but did not include topping up with water. And about six, nine months afterwards, they couldn't understand why the batteries were starting to fail. Basically, they were almost halfway down, well below the limit levels, because they had never been topped up with water, because they weren't written into the maintenance plan. And we as taxpayers eventually paid for all those batteries to be replaced. But that's probably the most catastrophic one I can think of. There's been a lot of them, George. One of the ones that comes to mind was a a large uh, data center in Massachusetts. They had four or five strings of vented batteries, very large ones, about 2,000 ampere hours each. And they wrote a maintenance plan, very badly written, and they give it to the cheapest bidder, basically, who is also a friend of a friend of a, you know, another way it goes. But anyway, we were called in there. I was called in uh, to see what the problems were. And I found some cells where they had been built back to front. In other words, negative and positive plates had been reversed. This was two years into the life of the battery. And I thought, I suppose these batteries are supposed to be maintained. And they said, well, they are. I said, well, they couldn't have been. Otherwise, somebody would have spotted this. I said, well, you know, our maintenance plan didn't involve a visual inspection of the battery. Uh, but I've seen dozens, dozens and dozens and dozens. And there was a survey done several years back. I forget the name of it. George will know. It determined that over 60, maybe 70% of all data center failures could have been attributed to the battery. Yeah, I remember seeing that statistic too. I think that was in a tech note that you wrote or something. Yeah, those are great examples. So what can we do to start to properly maintain batteries? Is a periodic visual inspection the most important thing? Is battery monitoring part of the equation as well? Alan, what do you think are the steps we can take right now to start to improve how we are maintaining batteries? Monitoring, certainly, especially in today's day and age with uh, the prevalence of valve-regulated lead-acid batteries. You know, a monitor will tell you a lot of stuff you won't even pick up with a routine maintenance program. Visual inspection is very, very important. Uh, once again, we have a technical note about that somewhere. But visual inspection coupled with uh, monitoring, I think it's going to go a long way. One of the problems with the IEEE maintenance procedure guides is that they're overly complicated in that, for instance, for the just a valve-regulated lead-acid battery, they call for monthly inspections and quarterly inspections. Well, the, most customers look at this and say, hey, I've got a $1,000 battery here. I'm not going to spend a lot of money going in there every month, truck roll every month to do an inspection on this battery. I'm going to stick a monitor on there. And as the price of the battery increases, the more economic sense it makes to have an installed online monitor. George? I obviously agree with that. As you know, I'm a monitoring geek. I, I believe in it. And only in part because the value of maintenance of a battery is to collect that data. But the biggest challenge I see with it today is the fact that the majority of the data is never looked at or interpreted correctly. And that's uh, part of the training we do or try to introduce. So that's why even when companies often do maintenance programs, simply because the data they're collecting is not being analyzed correctly, so that you end up with the fact is that they haven't identified the units that were failing. The, 
the comment normally is, well, it didn't reach the alarm limit. Well, if you actually looked at what was happening to the data, it didn't need to reach the alarm limit. It was clearly failing. Things like that. There's a lot of what to be done, shall we say. And a big part of that is education. Sure. That makes sense. And I'll just ask you guys one more question here then. So we've talked about, obviously, when batteries fail in mission critical applications, it can cause a lot of problems. But like Alan mentioned, we have problems then with warranties not being granted, companies falling out of compliance. What are some of these other direct cost consequences of not having uh, batteries properly maintained when it comes to warranty and compliance and fines and things like that. George, if you want to take that one first. Obviously, the first cost that comes to mind is as a result of that Northeast blackout back in 2003, the electric utilities have been subjected since, I think it's like 2013, I believe it is, with a standard called PRC005, where currently in the Dash 6 version of it, but since Dash 2, there is a maintenance requirement for batteries, which is somewhat less than is in the IEEE standard, but it is still quite comprehensive in some ways and not in others. But if the companies are no longer, if they're not complying with that, they can get fined very large sums of money through NERC for non-compliance. So that's one of the parts of it. So on my part, to me, the most important thing is what is the losses concerned if that battery fails? What's the losses to the company if that battery fails under certain circumstances? When we talk about the utilities, in the last 18 months, we've had COVID, we've had people working from home and totally reliant on electricity and communications, both of which are supported 100% by batteries. Think about a failure there and just how much that would cost everything associated with them. It's not just the failure within the utility, not getting revenue, shall we say, but what were all the associated costs with that failure? That's my thoughts. Yeah, the, if we look at the three main market segments, let's start with the utility industry. If there's a power outage and the uh, batteries don't, do the job. And one of the jobs that the batteries do in the utility industry is the power of the lubrication oil pumps for the uh, generator. Now, if that fails and the generator crashes, you're looking at $1 to $2 million repair cost. Looking at the data processing industry, and we've had some examples recently. Say an airline reservation office, they lose a the computer. They're losing thousands and thousands of dollars per minute. And a lot of these outages can be blamed on a single battery failure. Telecom industry is a little bit smarter. They specify usually, uh, it's mandated, especially if they're carrying 911 service, is that they have four hours battery reserve and plus, in certain cases, generator backup. But George mentioned the Katrina failures and some other failures. So when the battery goes out, not only have you lost ability to make a cell phone call, but you're endangering life. You're losing life support services. So it's huge. You know, the ramifications of failure of a single thousand, $2,000 battery can cost millions of dollars. Yeah, thank you both. It's obvious that it even goes beyond cost, especially when you start talking about lives that could be lost potentially. So 
it's a big problem and a big concern. And again, appreciate you guys shedding some light on some of your experience and some solutions to the problem of battery maintenance. So thanks again. Great talking to you both again today. And we look forward to next time. Thank you. Now it's on to the 10 in 10 segment of the podcast, where once again, we'll have one of our Eagle Eye employees ask another DC power expert 10 powerful questions in 10 minutes. Today, we're fortunate to have our very own CEO, Eagle Eye's Ryan Saberna, who will be discussing how battery monitoring aids in long-term battery maintenance with our skilled service manager, Eagle Eye's Eric Knudsen, who will share his perspective from the field. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. All right, so let's get started, Eric. To start off with, we'd like to know why, seeing that you live in Omaha, why are you cheering for the Red Sox? Well, being close to Kansas City, you got the Royals there, and they've been pretty bad for quite some time. So the common theme was couldn't stand the Yankees. What better way to cheer on the Red Sox? And so that became my team as a young kid. All right, fair enough. More importantly, when do you think Nebraska is going to win a Big Ten title in football? Oh, easily next year. We got it in the bag. It's always next year. <laughs> Hopefully in my lifetime. All right. Well, all joking aside, I'd like to ask you some questions about battery monitoring. Obviously, these days, battery monitoring has become more of a common conversational piece. So I want to pick your brain a little bit. Why do you feel battery monitoring is the future of battery maintenance? I think the biggest thing with battery monitoring is just that continuous monitoring of your product. You know, we look at a lot of preventative maintenance schedules. They're broken down on a monthly visit, quarterly visit, and then a lot of the systems I'll just do on an annual visit. And there's just a lot of time in between to where I always effectively look, I'm in here once a quarter, what happens between this visit and the next visit? And with monitoring, it just allows you to trend your batteries over that duration where you may miss those windows where something was hidden on your battery or something catastrophic could have happened to your system. With, with monitoring, you're able to capture that data and it just provides those resources, especially with the cost on product nowadays. It just gives you that heavy insight on managing your systems and protecting your investments. Yeah, I would agree. The feedback that I've been getting from customers as well is obviously there's a more of an upfront cost initially, but you're obviously securing uptime. Like you mentioned, less time between periodic maintenance. Sometimes that can be critical. Batteries can fail in three to five days. So being in a position where you're getting reliable feedback every day, every hour, every minute on your batteries certainly seems to be valuable. So what features do you think are most important in a BMS? I think one of the biggest features that I highlighted if, uh, if I was a user or customer where I had product is I want to capture the data on a discharge. And a lot of facilities don't have the luxury of doing scheduled discharges on their systems. And with all the maintenance that you can do, there's always one true surefire way to know how your system is and what state it's in. And that's just to hit it. And so understanding a lot of customers will say, well, we have this size load, but reality, when your battery does go under discharge, that load could vary. So being able to capture that data and record it and see how your systems reacted, but more importantly, how your battery reacted during those outages, to me, is the most vital thing with monitoring systems. Yeah, once again, I would agree with your thoughts. I'd also mention that just the ability to trend batteries, you know, we know that a battery system is only as strong as its weakest link. So the value in being able to see a, a battery that's failing prematurely early on and getting that replaced so that you can get the 10 or 20 year value out of your battery system, I think is essential as well. I agree. Which applications are best for a battery monitoring system, in your opinion? I look at utility and telecom as kind of the pinnacle at the top of the list, large in part just because the sheer amount of volumes of battery systems they have 
that are deployed. And just there's a lot of remoteness, minimal staff that where you can kind of maintain these. When you look at a critical facility, I mean, those aren't typically ghost towns. So you have quite a bit of personnel walking around there. So effectively, I look at those, the critical facility that they can have personnel to, to really maintain it. But as far as utility and telecom, you got systems all over the place. you got microwave sites on top of mountains. Having the, the luxury and the availability to view your systems from afar that you look at uh, certain times of year that you may not be able to access until two, three days. I think those industries stand out the most in my mind. Yeah, yeah. That's oftentimes who we hear the most from is utility, telecom, UPS. And I think it kind of goes back to kind of our, our mission statement or our, the fact that we increase reliability, decrease cost and meet compliance. So really when I'm talking to battery monitoring potential prospects, it's, are you looking to increase reliability of your system? Are you looking to decrease costs from preventative maintenance programs? And, or are you looking to meet some type of compliance? And if, if you say yes to any of those, then it seems like you're an ideal candidate to at least discuss a battery management program. So I agree. And just look at the costs these companies are putting into their systems. I mean, telecom, perfect example. They just accrue that that cost into changing the batteries out every seven years. But what could be the cost savings on their behalf? They did look into a monitoring system. So you may be, be able to extend those out to 10 plus years and beyond. So it's just because they're short staff and same in the utilities where a lot of times it's just on a routine schedule just to replace batteries. Absolutely. That's a great point. What do you see as the future of battery monitoring? I see the future of battery monitoring in a couple of different lights, but the biggest one is just having that sound system like our vigilant systems where we can actually do the whole entire management of the DC systems to where we can completely take that element away from a customer and we internally could have eyes on their DC systems 24-7. So if we see anything that could arise, any issues, anything that would call for a service contract, not only could we deploy that to the end customer, but we ourselves could actually deploy part of our service group to go out there and troubleshoot some of this stuff. So it really takes that element of not knowing where we're going to address our systems to it's in someone else's hands. It's an afterthought. We never have to worry about it. And again, increasing that reliability for them and cutting those costs. I think that could be a service that we could provide in the near future. Yeah, you bring up some great points. I think about this quite a bit, trying to kind of get a vision of where we're headed and what our customers are going to need. Number one, I think it's important to look at the three cornerstones of Eagle Eye. Amongst other things, we're very much focused on offering the best battery monitoring system, which is what we believe we've built in the Vigilant. But we've also understand over the years that it's not about just selling hardware. There's two other very important, equally as important aspects, and that's the service, making sure the system is installed correctly and commissioned correctly and maintained correctly over the life. It's a significant investment for our customers, and it's one that has to be maintained. And then the last cornerstone is education, making sure that the customers understand what their battery monitoring system is doing. Obviously, you save a a lot of time and money avoiding periodic maintenance, but you also inherit a lot more information. We have some customers that are monitoring upwards of a thousand battery systems plus, and in that case, they're getting hundreds of thousands of data points back to them. And they got to be able to interpret that data and they have to be able to make decisions based on that information. So I think currently and into the nearer future, that's important is really getting the industry up to speed with a efficient, successful battery management program, which I think takes a lot more than what people had expected in the past. You can't just ship out BMSs and expect the program to be successful. One other point I'd like to make is that in the future, I think there's potential for cloud services and capabilities to actually 
monitor the batteries for our customers, provide them reports, provide them trending information, and really take on the responsibility. You know, a lot of times I talk to end users and they say the challenge that we face is that we don't have a battery expert. And batteries, although they're often overlooked, they can be the last line of defense. They're very critical and they're very essential. We live and breathe batteries and battery monitoring every day. We have some amazing folks, technical advisors that have 40 plus years of experience in the industry that I think there's value in bringing that to end users. So let me ask you, what do you think it takes to maintain a battery monitoring system? I think this is an important point that sometimes gets lost, the maintenance of a battery monitoring system. I think the big thing is educating the customer. I think there's a look on a customer that will look at as far as the monitoring system to where they can almost wash their hands of any type of maintenance. And I think that's the discussion that everybody needs to have with every customer when it comes to VMS is understanding that your maintenance now really turns into your monitoring. You look at the utility industry with NERC compliance, that's vital, critical information that you need to be reporting and to ensure that it's accurate and correct. We do see that tone a lot in the industry where it's just, give me the report, we submit it. But, you know, whose hands is that falling into? Who's actually reviewing the data? And more or less, if you do see an issue with the data, if you do see something wrong with the trends, what's your next steps? And so while having a secure maintenance program intact to ensure that your monitoring system is reporting accurately, that the numbers that you're seeing are true, tried and true, there's also a handful of things that fall into place that the monitoring won't capture. You look at corrosion built up, rack structure. There's a lot of things that can go on. Monitoring is not going to capture copper contamination on the post or cracked jars or positive plates busting through the jar. So there's a lot that that ties into it. So yes, you're ensuring that your monitoring system is working and accurately, but there's a lot of other elements that can go into it. And if you look at the monitoring system as a whole, if you think this is my saw wall to ever I need to step in a battery room, it's going to come back and it's going to bite hard. But having an effective preventative maintenance program to ensure the data that you're getting, that someone's in those rooms that's familiar with the product and have the resources to address, I got a bad sell, who do I reach out to? Is this product under warranty? Who do I contact? Those are all resources that we provide. And those are relationships that have been developed for over 40 years to have the know-how to reach out to and to address those issues as quickly and as efficiently as possible. How often do you think um, maintenance inspections should happen? I think it's going to vary based off the application. Typically, I would say on average, a minimum once a year. I am kind of leaning heavily on the two-year type right now, just because a lot of the uh, applications we're seeing, there's a lot of environment issues that you're seeing some of these DC systems in not temperature-controlled environments. And that can placate havoc not only on your batteries, but on the monitoring system as well. So I think it really will vary based off application of whether you need to get out there once a year or twice a year. I think that's always going to vary. Yeah, I would agree. I think some additional value that can be added, especially from Eagle Eye, from a preventative maintenance program with a BMS is that as a DC power specialist, we have the ability to come in and kind of do a complete battery room health checkup. You know, we can look at the charger, look at the batteries and provide feedback, not only on the BMS, but on the DC system as a whole. So one other question I had is, how would you recommend someone get started with implementing a BMS? I think it's understanding and being tried and truthful with your maintenance system now. There's a lot of companies that will look at their maintenance program and we've got it taken care of. And sadly, those, those are usually the phone calls that we come out to where this should have been done six months ago. So I think you got to have that honest conversation of what's our maintenance program now and how does it look? Do we have the resources to effectively do a maintenance program? 
typically what we see within the utility markets, especially, it's always very limited resources when it comes to manpower to managing these systems. So I look at a monitoring system as something that can effectively resolve that ongoing issue for you. And that's very similar to telecommunications as well. You're not out these sites all that often. You don't have those resources. How effectively are you doing taking care of your maintenances on your DC systems? And so to me, that's the first and foremost that you need to look at. And then look at the monitoring system and understand what kind of data are you trying to accomplish? What kind of kind of compliances are you going to stay with? And you look at the NERC compliance, but truth be told, you look at if you're truly invested in with your product and you want to protect that product, there's a much, much higher standard that needs to fall in place as well, which is fortunate with Vigilant, we can cover all those aspects. But if you look at NERC, it's down in the list. But if you're trying to stay compliant with IEEE and manufacturers to keep your warranties and protect your investment, that becomes a more heavily involved maintenance program. And then again, a discussion internally, can we do this? And likely a lot of times in situations you can't. So monitoring system is your best option to really achieve all these benchmarks. A lot of times even with manufacturers, knowing that there's monitoring in place can extend out warranties. And so What's more important to you as far as extending the life of your product? Do you want something that you know you're covered for five to seven to sometimes even 10 years, knowing if there's an issue, it's going to be covered by manufacturer? Those are all kind of like the checklist in my mind that you got to run through and have that honest conversation with yourself, your team, and as a company as a whole. Yeah, you make some great points. I just like to add the fact that I always let customers know that it's a process. It's a marathon and it's not a sprint. The more systems that you have, the more significant the investment is, but it's really important to take time. There's a significant discovery process that has to take place for Eagle Eye to really understand what the customer is looking to accomplish with a battery management program. And that's not the same for every customer. We have to understand the systems. We have to talk through the service aspect of it, through the communication aspect of it, and the ongoing maintenance. So I think it's important for customers to take their time Oftentimes, especially like with a utility, for example, it's a 20-year investment. It's a significant investment that can reap a ton of value, but it's important to go down the right road because if you don't go down the right road, it's very expensive and time-consuming to backtrack and then reapproach the the program. So, Right. I agree too. I think it needs to be a full-level commitment. Not everything is just a quick plug and play and set it and forget it. It's an investment not only on the manufacturer's behalf, but the customer's behalf. There's a big learning curve that comes to this and understanding the product. And there's a lot of little troubleshooting that can come into place. But having your team be on board and ready and willing to make the full investment in the monitoring system is critical as well. Yep. It's a true partnership. Any companies that we work with on battery monitoring, it's a true partnership. And we have the same goal in mind, which is to build the best battery management program we can for the customer. And if we, when it's approached as a true partnership, With that shared goal, that common goal, I feel like that's when we're most successful. So thanks a lot, Eric. I appreciate it. Again, thanks for tuning in to today's DC Power Hour. We hope you learned a little bit more about the importance of battery maintenance and battery monitoring. For more information on any of our other critical power solutions, visit our website at eepowersolutions.com. And check us out next time when we'll take a deeper dive into what's wrong with our aging power grid and if this $73 billion stimulus earmarked for the power grid will be enough to give us some relief. And we'll also feature a product spotlight on ground fault locators to discuss the importance of finding DC ground faults before they find you. We hope you can join us next time. And in the meantime, if you have any questions for the Battery Blarney Duo or anything else you want us to discuss in next week's episode, please email us at info 
at eepowersolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you then.